Welcome to Unconditional Love with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is webinar episode number 97, recorded May 7th, 2013, Listening Love. This audio podcast is sponsored by Liquid Networks, providing quality, affordable websites and website hosting. Get your free quote today by visiting www.liquidnetworksinc.com. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to share with you tonight from some verses that have come alive to me in the last while. It's in Psalm number 34 and in verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. And then in verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. And the margin of your Bible might show you that that last phrase that is translated here as have a contrite spirit uh, could and probably should be translated more and are crushed in spirit. And so the Lord is near those who have a broken heart, save such as have a crushed spirit. And maybe that's the people I'm speaking to tonight. But what I want to emphasize out of these verses that I just read is what you have there is what? The word maybe is even explosive uh, unveiling of the love that the Lord has for you and for I. Uh, Look at it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That that is, he, he can't take his eyes off you. He is delighting in you. He is fascinated with you. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Wherever I go, I know that the eyes of love are upon me. And his ears are open to their cry. He who cannot take his eyes off me is listening to me whether I vocalize my words or whether my words are unspoken and silent within my mind, whether they rise from my deepest heart, even sometimes when I can't put words to them, he, his ears are open to my cry. That's fantastic. And then verse 17, the righteous, and I might say the word righteous there, Um, it's a covenant word, as it is all through the scripture. And it means that a righteous person is one who is walking in harmony with the God of covenant love. And to put that down into one phrase, how does one walk in harmony with the God of covenant love? God's love says that he will save us that he will be all that he is to us. My response to that, my only possible response is thank you. And to declare my faith uh, that that, that it is so. Uh, He said it, it is so, I say thank you. Um, the, The word actually when this is first brought about, which is Genesis 15, And the Lord says to Abraham that he's entering into covenant with him. And the response of Abraham is, Amen. That's the exact word in the Hebrew language. In our translations, correctly, it says, Abraham believed God. But I I like that word, Amen. It means it is so. It means that is the way it is. And so the Lord said, I'm giving myself to you, Abraham. I am making my promise. I swear by myself. That's God's side of the covenant. Our side of the covenant is, amen. You said it. I believe it. I trust it. I order my life to your love. And we walk in harmony together. That's the righteous. 
And it says that the righteous cry out, the Lord hears. There it is again. His ear is open to our cry. The Lord hears and delivers us and, and makes his nearness known to us. I say it's a, it's a massive opening up of the love that God has toward us, the intimacy of his love. He loves you. He loves me individually, personally. He, he's watching over us as a mother over her child, and his ear is ever attuned to the slightest expression of our heart, our mind, and sometimes in our lips. But, but he is aware. Listening love. And if we can realize that, that, that simple reality that he delights in us and is listening to us, to know that will draw us out into the fullest potential of who we are in Christ Jesus. Why, why do I bring this up? I mean, it's a pretty simple statement, actually. And yet I find so many believers, and they're not sure about that. Some have come to a point, I suppose, of bitterness, and they say, God doesn't hear me. He doesn't hear my prayers. It's often implied when persons come to us or anyone else and say, please pray for me, which, of course, is biblical and I'm ready to do it. But a little conversation reveals that they don't believe God hears them, that he's not listening to them, and they they bring up some uh, vague and many times undocumented track record of, see, God didn't listen to me. God wasn't listening. And so they, they seek out the elite, the special, the person they are sure that God does listen to them. That is terrible. That's terrible. For the simplest person listening to me, the most uneducated person those that have been born again, you've become Christians only in the last few days, maybe hours. It matters not. Here it states it plainly that his eyes are upon you in love and his ear is open. He listens to you. You see, if, if I really believe that he listens sometimes, but really and truly, I don't think he listens, I don't think he hears me, then I can understand despair. Yes, I mean hopeless despair. For if, if he's not listening, if his love is some remote nebulous idea, if that's all it is, and he's not really listening to me, then I have to say, what's the use? What's the use of praying? What's the use of any looking into the heart of God? What's the point? What's, why bother, you see? And that, that moves out through all of life like a toxic idea. We, we find it hard, I'll grant you this, we find it hard to believe that he listens to us. That's a heavy word, listen. And I believe, at least here in the U.S., that it, it, partly this, this feeling that he's not really listening to us, it arises from our culture. And if you, you are from other parts of the world where this wouldn't be true, just hang for a few seconds and, and we'll be back together. But, but here in this culture, um, number one, um, there are some people and... I'm not so sure that I want them to listen to me, you know. It wouldn't be safe to have them listen to me. And when I, with that in mind, when it read, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, uh, if, if that's what I believe, I begin to get uneasy, you know, that... In fact, I was raised, from the time I went to church anyway, uh, I was raised with the idea that it wasn't safe to have God's eyes upon you. You know, you, that they would leave you in a possible temptation setting and then say, remember, God's watching you. 
And of course, you begin to get the image of God, the ultimate FBI agent, the CIA spy. No, no, no. But you see, because of this, that we're, we're not, we don't want people to know who we really are. We, 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 so we wear masks. And sometimes we have a whole little briefcase full of masks that we carry around with us. And depending on whoever we're with, we put on a different mask and pretend to be a different person. This is a culture of the pretenders. Uh, it's the, well, let's face it, it's the culture of the liars. And I, I don't know if you go on Facebook or any of those media things. And it's amazing what people say about themselves, which is blatantly not true. It's exaggerated out of sight. But people just put out there, this is who I am. And they put their pictures and they put all their resume there, which is not necessarily altogether true. But it's a mask because I don't want anybody to really know who I am. Not, it's not safe, you say. I don't know what they'll do with that. If they found out who I was, they'd reject me. If, yeah, I don't want their eyes on me. I'll put masks and walls in front so they'll never see who I am. And that sad thing is transferred over to God. And of course, much of religion enables that. And as I say again, gives the picture of a God who is just waiting to get us and condemn us. And so we, we don't want to think of him listening to us. Uh, sad, sad. But also in our culture, uh, we're, we're too busy to listen to people. We don't listen. We're too self-absorbed with our own life and our own agenda and schedule. And again, I don't know how it is. Well, I do know how it is in some countries. But in, in our Western world, and, and it's a greeting. It's a meaningless act, a meaningless greeting. People say, how are you? But you know, and they know, they don't want to know who you are. They don't want to listen to you. I mean, I've had people say to me that, how are you doing today? Well, I know if I told them, number one, it would take about an hour, uh, but, but also it would devastate them and they'd never ask me that question again, you see. Uh, and, and so listening, really and truly, this idea of listening to somebody becomes foreign to this culture. And even while we're talking with people and uh, attempting to share something, we live in a world of distraction. Have you ever tried to tell people when you really, you need to tell somebody and, and, and you're talking to them and they're looking at their watch and, and you begin to feel like I'm using, they, they, they're, they're too busy, I should let them go. Or that other ghastly thing where you're trying to talk to people and they get a text message right in the middle and they leave you to respond to the text. Uh, distractions. Have you ever been sitting with someone in a restaurant and this has happened to me talking to pastors when I'm truly sharing my heart on a subject and I see the pastor's eyes drift over there, see someone, I wave to them. And I, I, that's the end. I, the man wasn't listening, you see. His mind was flitting here and there like a butterfly all over the restaurant. Have you ever been talking to someone and you realize they're looking over your shoulder at someone else? They weren't listening. It's not part of our culture. I say it again, between our cell phones and our schedules and just, well, I tell you what it is. You talk to people, but they're not present. I feel like ending some conversation saying, I'm awfully sorry you couldn't be here today because they weren't there. They weren't there. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had people and, and you're trying to share your heart or trying to share something and they, they finish your sentence? Well, it wasn't what I was going to say. And you realize they weren't listening. They were thinking that I was going to say what they assumed I was going to say. So they say it for me to get it out there. Um, now, that's no good, you see. Sometimes people talk at each other. 
like two monologues going on at the same time. They, they, they are saying what they want to say without listening to me, and I'm talking what I'm talking, and we pass like ships in the night, and we hardly signal to each other. Well, have you noticed when you say some word in your sentence or make a reference to something and they jump in immediately and go off on their own story based on that word? They weren't listening. They, they, they were just waiting for some open door to talk, their talk. They weren't listening, listening. Or, or you, you ask a person, could you do this? And they say, yes, of course, and immediately forget because they weren't listening. They really, and uh, when you would ask them about it later, they'll act as if you never did say it because they weren't listening. You say, what is listening? This is important, very important. We've got to learn what listening is. But his ear is open. He hears our cry. He comes to us when we are feeling alone and broken-hearted and crushed in spirit, and he listens to us. What is listening? Listening, number one, is to give ourself and give ourselves to one person. And at that moment, it is as if they are the only person on the planet. I am giving myself to hear what their heart is trying to say. Or to put it this way, you cannot listen to a group. You can only listen to one person at a time. To listen means two persons who are present to each other. Present. I mean, you're all there. If I am speaking, then I am present to my listener, and my listener must be present to me, not thinking about something else, not looking for somebody else, present, present. And we listen with our ears, and this is a small point, and maybe it will mean nothing, maybe it will mean something, uh, you'll see in a minute, but we hear with our ears the sound of a language that we understand. When, when I first came over here from the UK, you know, there are many words <laughs> that, that mean different things in the UK to what they mean over here. Uh, I think it was Winston Churchill who said that the UK and the US are two peoples who are separated by a common language. And so people would say something, and it, I, I had a total misunderstanding because in the UK that word doesn't mean that, that they were saying, you know. And, and so if I'm going to listen to you, we have to have a knowledge of each other's language. Put that on hold. Listening, if, if I thus give myself to a person... And, and I'm opening my whole being to receive the words that they are saying. The listener it, it gives honor, gives respect to the speaker. It is saying, in fact, you are a unique human being. You are worth listening to, investing my time in. And so, with intention, I am listening. I am giving you my full attention. I, I am bestowing upon what you are saying a matter of interest. I'm interested in what you are saying. And so, just in that very act of thus giving myself, giving attention and doing it with intention, I am calling forth the worth of the person speaking. I'm telling you, you are of great worth to me. You are worth listening to. We listen with our eyes because actually we all talk with our whole body. That's why personally I, I hate phones. 
Um, I, I'm very much of old school, I suppose you do at my age. Um, but I, I, I find anything on the computer very difficult. I find phones very difficult because I can't see the person. I, I'm, I'm just left with what they're portraying of themselves, but I can't see them. But real listening demands that you look and you see their whole body language because we speak with our body. Our spirit comes through our bodies. The downcast eyes, the downcast shoulders, the shuffling of the feet, it all gives its own message. Or the openness, uh, the, the face that is bright and so on, it, it all gives its message. Listening, this is some big thing, you see. But also in the eyes, and I think I, I just got to assume you know what I'm talking about here, that when I'm speaking to a person, their eyes are telling me what their heart is really believing. And if I'm listening, there can be no condemnation in the eyes of the listener. If I am condemning the person who is speaking, even though I don't say so, but in my heart I'm condemning them and that condemnation comes through my eyes. If, if I'm judging them, which comes through my eyes, then uh, that will shut down the conversation because you cannot listen to a person's heart if you've already shut them off in judgment and condemnation. And listening will draw the listener into the speaker's life. If, if you follow through what I've said already, your, your involvement in listening brings you into the person's life sometimes to do something if you can, sometimes to speak words of wisdom to their situation, uh, some answer. And if there is nothing to say, if what they have said, really there's nothing I can respond, but the listener will be there as the strength of, of, of the person. Or to put it this way, if you listen, if you truly listen to a person, you can never just walk away and forget about it. You have involved at some deep level, you have joined yourself to the speaker. You have received into you their words and you have wand with them. At this point, I think it's pretty obvious that only love can listen. The self-centered person can't listen. Words just pass by their ears. The, the callous person can't listen. The judgmental person can't listen. Only love can listen. Because listening is my heart touching your heart. It is the speaker's very being is now touching and uniting at a deep level with the being of the listener. Or you could say listening is love immersing themselves into the life of another, at least for the period of time you're listening. It, a listener is being love. That's it. A listener is love being, bestowing worth showing desire and interest in your life. And so for the listener to listen, it's an investing of self. It's an investing of time. In fact, in a sense, in a, in a small sense, it, it is a mini death because I have died to all the other things I could be doing, all the other things I could be thinking about, all the other places I could be, all the other people I could be with, and I have died to that in order to resurrect into this magnificent listening and join them in their journey. Now, having said that about listening, do you realize what we just read? That the Lord listens to you. 
And I have to emphasize it again. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. He listens to you. You are of supreme, can I say, limitless importance to him. And he listens to you. You might just say that for the rest of the night. He listens to me. Jesus said, it's John chapter 11, when he stood before the tomb of Lazarus, and really we don't know the words of Jesus' prayers. We don't hear his prayers. We hear that he went to pray, that as he walked on the road, he prayed. He drew aside to pray, but we never know what he said, except on this occasion in John chapter 11, we have a record of his prayer, and of course Gethsemane, and then in John 17. But that's it. But in John chapter 11, he sort of just gives us an open window. He said, remember, he said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. What a beautiful statement. Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Now, I think most of you listening will recognize that the whole New Testament uses a phrase that was introduced to us by Jesus. Jesus said, I will be in you and you will be in me. That's as close as you can get, one. And then the rest of the New Testament, based on that, says that we are in Christ. And everything we have, everything we do, everything we hope for, it says it there, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. You realize you are in Christ. And you can use the same words as Jesus used because you are in him and he's in you. And the Father, it says in John 14, 15, 16, that the Father loves you in the same way as he loves Jesus. And therefore you can begin your every prayer, your every moving of desire toward the Father by saying, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. That's it. He listens to us. And can I go even further? That he listens to you as if you were the only person on the planet. I hope I established that before. You can't listen to a group. He can't listen to the entire church in one listening. He listens to you as if you were the only one. Of course, he's God. And therefore, he is limitless in his hearing. I don't understand that in terms of being able to explain it logically, but I can report to you from Scripture after Scripture that when he is listening to me as if I were the only person in existence at the same time he's listening to you with the same totality of attention. Listening is always one and one who are present to each other. And he listens to you. Please, just let this percolate inside of you. That you sit down and you let your heart open toward the Father. And believe me, it's just you and the Father. And you are in Christ. And therefore, you're joining in that converse, that intimacy between God the Father and God the Son, Lord Jesus Christ, and that happens within the Holy Spirit. And you, I mean, I, I, there's no lightning when you're doing that. There's no flashes or your bed doesn't catch on fire like a burning bush. No, no, no. It's just, 
it's so, so ordinary. But I, I, in wherever you are, in your car, in your living room, your bed, wherever you are, as you open your heart to the Father, understand you are in the middle of the Holy Trinity love. And he's listening to you as if you're the only person existed. He's listening to you in exactly the same way as he listens to Jesus because you are in Jesus. And, and that's the, the thing that I said maybe may not mean anything to you, but he understands your language. There's never any misunderstanding. He gets it. You, you may speak highly educated language, whatever language you speak, he understands street talk, too. He understands slang. He understands even the groanings of our heart when we can't put words to it. He speaks our language. And when he speaks to us, which we're not really talking about right now, but when he speaks to us, it's our language. What I mean is, he's not speaking some mysterious language called God talk. I've, I've had people, they take that one verse, don't we always take one verse, and then forget what it says prior to and after, just take words out of it and build a whole building on it. You remember the verse, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, as high as the heaven above the earth. So... And people build on that and basically say it doesn't matter what you say. It, it doesn't register in God talk because his thoughts are beyond your puny, stupid little thoughts. And, and, and you say this is what I need in this situation, but forget it. God will do something that's utterly different, utterly, totally removed from it because he talks a different language, you see. And... and um, well, and of course, when you read his words in Scripture, believe me, because I don't mean what they say, not at all. No, no, no. You have to go to the denominational headquarters to find out what God meant. They understand God talk, which is not what... You see what I mean? No, this is, this is so simple. He understands you. He listens to your words. And whenever he speaks to you... We get to that another hour. But when he speaks to you, he talks in plain language. He means what he says. Well, this is, this is God. He listens. He is limitlessly present to you. He never gets text messages that distract him. He never says, now just wait a minute. There's a problem in the Middle East I've got to deal with right now. I'll be back. He never gets a phone call that puts your conversation on hold. He is never distracted. He is limitlessly interested in your life, where you work, what you think about your work, about your home and your children, or lack thereof. Or could I use another word? He's fascinated by you. I could bring you lots of scriptures to prove this. He's fascinated by you. Just wish we had five hours. He's fascinated with your life. Can't take his eyes off you. That's what the scripture said. That's an amazing thing, you know. Amazing. I, I don't think I'll ever get used to it. That the all-knowing one has chosen. And when I say that, I mean it's now the way he is. He's chosen to listen to us, to hear our heart speak. He desires to see our lives through our eyes and through our ears and for us to tell him what we see, perceive and feel. Amazing. And he gives his fullest attention to our words and our desires and our questions. I bombard the Father with questions. And he answers in his own good time. Sometimes I'm not ready for the answers. But he answers. 
He feels, he wills to feel one with our joys and our sorrows. My wife Nancy, we, we have a grandchild and they live down the road from here in San Antonio. And, and the other day she w went down there to spend the day with her grandchild who's three years old coming on five, you know. And, and the whole day she immersed herself in Julianne immersed herself, immersed herself in her little world of games and dolls and building blocks and pretend doctors and nurses. And, and she sat and she told Nancy her little journey in life, all that had happened and, and uh, uh, relayed to Nancy all the wonders that she was discovering. Nancy didn't do that as a duty. She didn't keep looking at her watch. She did it in the sheer delight of immersing herself into the world of little Julianne. In, in fact, when she came home, she then rehearsed with great delight everything that had happened. We played this, she said this, she said that, and would you believe she did this? Do you get what I'm saying? When I say he's fascinated with you, he delights in you, listens to your every word, joins in your wonder at a discovery. See, love, God who is love, listens to our uniqueness. It isn't only that he listens to me and to you, but he listens to me and you as you and I are unique, different to each other. He doesn't put us in a file of humans, creatures. No, he's got a file just for Malcolm, got a file just for Jill and for Mary. Because he's not bored with us. He, we are an unexplored universe and he wills that we tell him where we're at. He wants this. That's why Jesus in his stories, he talked about one lost sheep, one lost coin, one lost son. Oh yeah. That's why Paul said of Jesus, he loved me and he gave himself for me. Love discovers the person of the beloved. Love is fascinated with the person of the beloved. And of course, do I have to say, I suppose I do, when he listens to us, he never, never listens to condemn us. He listens to accept us. He loves us where we are in life. Hear that, where we are in life. He loves us as we are. And often, often, where I am, <laughs> the way I am in life is not too high on my list of acceptance. There's plenty in my life that, uh, to me, it's the ugly. I don't, I don't want it. But... Strangely, beyond my comprehension, it's me as I am in this moment, you as you are in this moment. He loves us. And I hear someone say, but I, 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 I'm ugly. I, I, I'm not lovable. Well then, let's take it to the level of God love. He loves ugly. He, he loves what everyone else despises. He does. Which means then we are infinitely safe in his listening to us. Ah, you see, it's I can take off my mask. I can throw away my briefcase of masks because it's safe. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to exaggerate my life. I don't have to excuse myself with a whole lot of excuses nor do I have to blame shift to everybody else. Here I am. And to know that 
literally, here I am. And I'm talking to my father who loves me without any condition, just loves me as I am. And I, I heard you. You said, yes, but you see, uh, he, he hates the sin and loves the sinner. Oh, I know where you come from. Look, that, that makes a wonderful phrase that means nothing. I mean, how can you untangle that mess? Jesus loved tax collectors. He was called the friend of tax collectors. Well, they were a rotten bunch. I mean, the closest we could get today is some kind of mafia. They were mobsters who just fleeced the people of money and live like rich cats up on the hill. Now, you, come on, with that beautiful evangelical phrase, he hates the sin and loves the sinner. Well, you try and untangle that. You try and take the sin away from the tax collectors so that it leaves them, God now can love you. Because he, God, he say, God's so holy, he wouldn't touch sin. You see, some people think of God like a Victorian woman who faints at the sound of a curse word. No, no. I'm in no way putting down the importance, the horrible importance of sin. Jesus died. Jesus shed his blood to deal with our sin. I'm in no way trivializing sin. But why did Jesus die? Because he loved you before you even heard of him. He loved you while you were yet in your sins, says the scripture. He loves you just as you are. And his love is going to transform you. His love is going to cleanse and his love is going to call you forth to your fullest potential in Christ. You're safe with him. He's not listening for sin. He, he's, he's not watching every word to make sure it fits in with some holy vocabulary. He's not like so many of the places that claim to represent him. There, there are many places that I would not feel comfortable in sharing my heart because I know they would look at me over the top of their glasses and say, sinner. You know, the people, the, they listen for sin. They listen for faults. They listen for mistakes and then they condemn. That's their speciality. I tell you, there are some places that would call themselves churches. There are some places, they should read you your Miranda rights before you go in. Right at the door of the church, they should say you have a right to remain silent. But if you ever open your mouth, you can be sure it will be used against you. Yeah, that's not God. That's not God. When God looks at me, it's with delight and fascination of love. And when he listens to me, he listens to me with divine faith in what Jesus has accomplished for me, as me, and is now doing in me by his Holy Spirit. Yes. Look, do I... Jesus continually asked questions of people in order that they would open up and then when they did he listened to them and they were an odd bunch I mean the woman taken in adultery I mean just weigh those words you know what kind of woman she was and you remember religion says damn her stone her and Jesus was so disgusted with religion, he couldn't look at them, but just wrote in the sand. Do you remember that? And then whoever is without sin casts the first stone and they all leave. And then Jesus looks up and, and read the scripture. The words are potent. It is, we're alone. Jesus was left alone with the woman. It's just the woman and Jesus. 
And he looks around and he says, where are your accusers? Who's condemning you? Where are they? And she said, no man, Lord, they've all gone. And he, who was the only one on the planet who had a right to cast the first stone without sin. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is the Jesus who listens to us. A tsunami, hurricane, tornado is on the Lake of Galilee. The disciples are terrified. The boat's going down. Jesus is asleep in perfect peace. But they shake him and say, do you not care? We're perishing. Get up. And Jesus got up. What was his first question? Why are you afraid? What a question. Why are you afraid? He wanted to hear their heart as to why a hurricane would make them afraid. And he stills the storm and or at the tomb when he'd risen from the dead and Mary Magdalene did not recognize him and she's weeping at the tomb and he says, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Her answer bears her heart, which is far from the reality of what's going on. And then Jesus is the total answer, you see. Or on the road to Emmaus, this is a good one, because he comes alongside of them and they didn't realize it was Jesus, the one they'd laid in the tomb three days before. And he, he says, you look awfully sad. Well, what is causing your despair? You see, in all these cases, his eye was upon them. That's, that's the point. I should have said this earlier. He, he, he was watching these that he delighted, and he sees them in their problem and trouble. And he says, what's the matter? And, and they say, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what has been going on? And he responds, what things? Go on, tell me. And, and they spill it out. And of course, they're off center. They're off course. They're actually revealing their unbelief, all shrouded in hopelessness and despair. Do you realize this? Not once, as, as they are spilling out all of this. Yeah, I say it. They were spilling out the drivel that, that w- was causing their hopelessness, and despair, depression. He just spill it off. Not once did Jesus say, okay, hold it, hold it. I'm the, I've got the answer. No, he listened. He listened. He, he wanted to get inside their head and heart and he wanted to join them where they were. He listened. Not once did he try to complete their sentences with something they weren't saying. That's Jesus. Only when they'd spent themselves and told it all, did he then give an answer that totally transformed their entire universe? I could keep going. You see, love, listening love, creates an energy field of acceptance. Or you could say it's a, it creates a safety zone. And the speaker can feel that. This is true even among humans. If you are spilling your heart to someone who is accepting you, who is listening to you without condemnation, you as the speaker, you feel that at a level that's hard to understand. It, It involves too many things, but we feel it. There are some people, and you know it's safe to keep talking. You know, in, in, to these people, just sitting there, their eyes tell me, their body language tells me they're accepting me just as I am. They're listening to me. It's safe. It is a fact that we can actually feel. We can actually pick up what the listener is doing with what we're saying. 
And when it's love that's listening, it opens doors within us. It opens dungeons that haven't been opened in years. You see, to know these verses I read, that he's listening to us. Every time we open our heart, I say again, whether they're unspoken words or even inarticulate groanings or if we can verbalize it, However, a heart that turns toward the Father we are listened to. And that, once I know that, no, 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 I didn't say once you heard me say it, once you know that, once you know that because Jesus became as you, that you may become as he, then Father, Thank you that you always hear me. What's happened? Hope has been born. You bet. Hope has been born. He's listening to me. I am now known, listened to God the Father through God the Son, Lord Jesus Christ. I am in their relationship through the Holy Spirit. That means that a, a true hope, which is real expectancy, comes into my heart. I'm expecting, at every twist and turn of life, I'm expecting that there's a, a response from, from God. I'm watching for it. I, I am aware of his fingerprints in my life that I might not have been aware of before. Because many of those people that say, God doesn't listen, God doesn't hear, I find out that after they've said whatever they've said, with that attitude, of course, which is saying this is hopeless, but I'll say it anyway. Having said it, they just walk away. They don't wait to hear what he's saying. Nor, with that attitude, do they watch or become aware or expectant of seeing his little workings all along the way that is actually answering what their heart was saying. It, it, I, I've heard many of those people, when I, when I pointed out to them, but just a minute, what about this? What about that? They say that was coincidence. I suppose they expect an answer from God to be always in flaming fires and dancing angels and ringing bells. I don't know. But personally, well, you see, in the language, did you know this? Yeah, this is a good thing. In the language the Bible was written in, there's no word for coincidence. Did you know that? That's a Western world. There's no word for coincidence in the Bible. Because, <laughs> no. They're really God instances. And, and, and as we know that he's listening to us, we now begin to see ourselves in the eyes of his love. Yes, you could put that on your refrigerator. As we know that as I bumble and stumble out my words and sometimes baby talk like Julianne when it comes to speaking with God about life, but I let it out. And I begin to see myself and to see my life in the eyes of his love. I realize my acceptance in the eyes of his love and I realize I am truly a child of God. To know that he listens means that whenever I pray, whenever my heart prays, I don't mean those whimsical thoughts that pass through our head, wouldn't it be nice if, when my heart prays, he listens. You realize that? It's impossible for a prayer thus to not be listened to and brought into God's answer. So there it is. The time is almost gone. But this 
text has only just begun in your life. The eyes of the Lord, they are on the righteous. Can't get you off his mind. Can't take his eyes off you. His ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. He delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near, closer than breathing, near to those who have a broken heart. And he saves such as have a contrary, a crushed spirit. There it is. You know, I'll finish with this. There's that verse in Revelation 3.20, and it's been used for many occasions, but it was spoken to believers, and really about this. You know the verse? Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him. The, the knocking at the door is synonymous with hear my voice. So this actually all begins with his call to us. All of our interaction with God begins with God. He starts this. And sometimes we don't realize, again, what a coincidence. We, we feel a desire, an urgency to open up to the Lord on this or that matter. And in our wretched culture and world, we, we, we say, I wonder if that's me or the Lord. Good grief. How, if Christ Jesus lives inside of you, if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, how else is he going to reveal his desires to you except through your desires? Stop thinking about yourself as just this isolated, lonely person in the middle of the universe hoping that one of your SOS rockets will be seen by God. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. And that desire... Sometimes the gentle touch upon your heart of a desire to open to the Lord, to share this moment with him, that's him calling you. And he said, I will come in and sup. That word sup, because I'm quoting from a very old translation, but the word sup there is the word in the Greek for the evening meal which was a very prolonged evening meal. They didn't have television, you see, nor did they have Xboxes or computer games or emails to answer or Facebook to portray yourself. No, they didn't have any of that. So the evening meal took up the whole evening. It was the meal of conversation and listening and sharing that went right on until bedtime. It's interesting, Jesus didn't say he'd drop by for lunch. He said he would join us at the evening meal where we would converse, where he would listen to us. I suppose then you realize you've opened the door into a whole area of your life and he's listening He's joined you in your journey. You are totally known. You are the subject of the Holy Trinity's delight. We'll, we'll finish there. And um, hopefully next week I want to talk about how he talks to us. Because we've got as many problems with that as his listening to us. Anyway, for tonight... I want you just to go through this incoming week knowing that he listens. Celebrate it. I dare you to play with it. To open your heart and just remind he's listening. 
is listening and change your life. And now the blessing of this incredible God who is love, who is all-powerful love, may he bless you and reveal to you the relationship that he's called you into, which is the gospel. Amen. Malcolm Smith's ministry is dedicated to guiding believers into the reality of experiencing daily fellowship with the Father. This has been another message by Malcolm Smith. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including a full catalog, please visit www.malcolmsmith.com dot org.